Hello, and welcome to the Farming for Passive Income show, sponsored by Farmers Capital Group, where we create diversification and hands-off cash flow for the agricultural community and other like-minded investors using commercial real estate. I'm your host, Casey Silveria. Our podcast aims to provide educational content for those curious about private equity investments, building their businesses, and personal development. To achieve this goal, industry experts will share their stories and insights. Join us on our journey with today's episode. Let's get going. Hello, everyone. Casey Silveria here, your host of the show. Today, we are having Senate Eskridge join us. Um, Senate is an apartment syndicator originally from Twin Falls, if I'm not mistaken, but definitely an Idahoan. Um, Senate, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you here. Thanks for having me, Casey. Excited to be here. Yeah, I love, uh, love talking to other people in Idaho. Yeah, Idaho people, real estate. I think it's one of our two loves in life, even though it's it's kind of a weird thing to say, but I don't know for you for me it's true. It 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 is for me too. Yeah. Two of my favorite things. Um spe- speaking of which, um Senna and I actually first met each other. Well, at first he joined the group that I'm in called Raise Masters, and then I noticed he was speaking at a um speaking event where um he was talking about the um it was capital raising, the ins and outs of it. Um, the legalities of it, some strategies, really solid presentation Senate. So yeah, I think you provided a lot of value there. And that was, um, yeah, that actually down at a Bodo Vino, I think. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. That was good. Mm-hmm. Well, Senate, thanks for coming on again. And I think it would be great for you to start us off just a brief history of, for you, of yourself and, you know, how you got into real estate investing. Yeah. So my, my story, uh, I'll, I'll give you the shorter version of it, but uh, I started off really by accident, which I don't recommend, by the way, because, uh, you know, you're doing stuff without intentionality, you make a lot of mistakes. But I started off with a single family house that I couldn't sell. It's really what it came down to. And so what do you do with a house you can't sell? Well, you rent it out. And I just fell in love with the cash flow. So I decided to go out and do it again. And I bought another house and I rented it out and then another house and rented it out. And I discovered something called the Burr strategy, which is where you refinance the, the house and bring your capital back. And uh, and then I uh, started doing some flips and some, just a lot of work in the single family family space. And I actually became, I, I built myself a second job is really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things I really want to highlight when I tell this story is people get into real estate, they buy a rental and they think that it's passive income. Well, I, I'm going to tell you that owning real estate is not passive. Someone is being active in, in the game. 100% yep. of the time, somebody has to be running that asset. And I built myself a full-time job is really what I did. And at the same time, I had another full-time job, right? So I basically had two full-time jobs. Uh, and one was real estate and one was my financial advising business. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just took a ton of my time. And I sat down and I looked at my income and what I was producing. And I figured out how long it was going to take me to get the kind of income that I needed to generate in the single family space. And I realized I was going to have to work another 20 or 30 years to get to get the amount of income that I wanted. That just doesn't seem to add up to me. Yeah. Why, why work this hard for something like that? Right. So I decided to shift into commercial uh, multifamily, well, commercial real estate in general. And I did a ton of research about a year for about a year, learning about every aspect of commercial real estate, and then landed on multifamily about a year later. Mm-hmm. So multifamily, like apartment buildings, those types of things. You got it. Yeah. Big apartment buildings, uh, 
uh, I might bigger the better in my my mind. You know, anywhere from fifty to one hundred and fifty is kind of my sweet spot. But uh, nothing wrong with even bigger than that uh, because you get uh, economies of scale. You know, so the more you have, more you should have, the better deals you can get. Yeah. We can dive into more of that later. Yeah. But when I did that, I joined a group called Jake and Gino, which is a mentorship program. If you're going to be active in real estate, you've got to make it a profession. And I spent more money on my education in multifamily than most people spend on college, right? Just learning and trying to get everything, everything that I possibly could into my brain so I could be as good at it as possible. And then uh, I was selling all of my single families and rolling everything into multifamily. And I started watching the amount of capital that I had to invest in these things. And that was shrinking very quickly. Uh, so that's when I decided to start bringing on investors. That's why I joined the group that you mentioned earlier, Raise Masters, to help me become a professional capital raiser to where I can take people's money and, and help them invest passively into these deals that I'm doing while I'm the active partner, making sure that they all run properly. But that's an important delineation because you have to keep on reiterating that the active partner and the passive partner, because they're two very different things. And when we structure deals um, like you and I are doing, um, they have to be documented correctly. The relationship has to be there. And maybe you could just touch on, you know, those two delineations for us. Yeah. So, you know, first the active partner is what we really talked about just a second ago, where these are, this is the person or the team of people usually in a multifamily or a bigger syndication that are running the day-to-day -day operations. These are the people that are buying the property, uh, making sure that it's financed properly, running the day-to-day -day, uh, operations, making sure that everything goes smoothly into the future, taking care of the refinances if you're going to do something like that, and then selling the property at the end. And then all throughout that, making sure that all of the investors or the limited partners are taken care of by communicating with them properly, providing all the tax documents, making sure that they get all of their advantages of owning the real estate without any of the uh, responsibilities. And that's really what a limited partner does, right? They call We call them a limited partner because their risk and their responsibility is limited to the amount of money that they invest into the deal. So let's just say you put uh, 50 or $100,000 into one of these deals, that's your maximum responsibility. Uh, it's also your maximum risk. And then the general partner does all of that other work, but you get to maintain all of the benefits of owning the real estate, including the tax advantages, which are the passive losses uh, towards towards that you can use towards your other income, and then all of the uh, appreciation as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in that, the passive losses, like how, when I think about it, like, okay, I'm investing into a business. I'm not investing into this business to lose money. <laughs> yeah. Senate, how do I have passive losses? Oh, let's talk about that because that's, that's one good. of my favorite parts of, of owning, owning real estate. Uh, so when, when we buy one of these big buildings, <clears throat> we're able to depreciate the asset over a certain amount of time. You know, some buildings are done over 27 and a half years and the other ones are done under 39, I believe is the number. Uh, and so that's the standard depreciation that that is going to happen. And that's a, that's a pretty basic formula, right? You take the value of the property and you divide it out over that amount of time. And you basically get to write off the value of that property throughout that time. But we're able to do something called 
uh, a cost segregation. And what that does is, is it breaks apart the building into all of its several components. And I won't get into the, you know, the engineering math and all that kind of stuff about it. But just imagine how long is the roof going to last? How long is the carpet going to last? How long is the window going to last? And we put them into buckets. And now we can accelerate uh, those buckets. Anything that would last less than, I think, 17 and a half years, uh, you can now write off 80% of that in year one. Yeah, which so is crazy to think about, but it's the law. Yeah, it, and the the IRS allows us to do it. Yeah, they wrote the code. Yeah, so imagine this scenario for a minute, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use a total hypothetical. This is not a real deal, but let's just say that you go and you invest a hundred thousand dollars into a deal that's going to give you a twenty percent return, twenty percent IRR, uh, and that is not abnormal, right? There are deals out there that do that. Yeah, and then because of this bonus depreciation. Right. You're able to get, say, uh, 70 percent tax write off in year one. That'd be a seventy thousand dollar tax write off in year one that you can use towards your taxes. So everyone's tax situation is different. Right. You got to talk to your CPA about how you can use these losses. Be sure you you do that. But let's just say you're you figure out a way to use that towards your income at say a 40% tax rate, depending on where you're at in the country and all that kind of stuff. So you can now take 40% of $70,000, right? And quick math in my head, that's what, $28,000. Okay. That you're able to that you're able to get back on your taxes because mm-hmm. you made this investment. So now you your hundred thousand dollar investment basically became a seventy-two thousand dollar investment. But yep. guess what? You're still getting the 20% returns on the 100,000. So now that 20% IRR just became something like roughly 30%. I could get a calculator out and figure out the exact number on that example. But, and again, it's not a specific deal. Every deal is different. I got to give that big disclaimer. And your tax situation is different than others. So talk to your CPA, but. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, maybe, okay. So what if you understand depreciation and depreciation expense and it being a phantom expense like how is that different than the cost segregation study well the cost segregation study is just what breaks it apart and allows us to accelerate that depreciation into the phantom expense right so it so the study itself is just it's a step in the process that you have to do and this is this is a a very detailed analysis of the property that now allows you to to go to go to a tax uh, accountant, a CPA, somebody that understands that, and now write off those things in a faster manner. Now, luckily, the the limited partner doesn't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. All the limited partner is going to do is they're going to get a K one, which is like a W two or like a ten ninety nine, right? It's a tax statement, at the end of the year uh, result, and it's going to show passive uh, losses on that K one. You give that to your accountant. They're going to know exactly what to do with it. And uh, if your accountant doesn't know what to do with it, call me and I'll refer you to one that does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was actually just looking at one of mine. It was, I invested 50,000 in Houston and I think I had 10,000 in losses. You yeah. know, just went in on, on November, we bought it. And I was like, there it is. Proof yep. is in the pudding. Yeah. I have one that I bought uh, at the end of last year. I put a hundred thousand dollar passive investment into it, 
and I've got a $42,000 loss on $100,000. So yeah, it's real. Got some spice on that investment. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's one of the most powerful uh, aspects of this business. Mm -hmm. Well, what I love about it, and I have a finance background um, for the last 10 years, basically. And when you do the math, um, you're able to, the money that you would have invested in that, you can reinvest elsewhere in those assets. And then you can really start to essentially compound your returns. It's, it's really the snowball effect that everyone keeps talking about, but no one really knows how to do it because they're stuck in the single family world. They're doing the plumbing. They're doing the things that they think they're supposed to be doing because we have this phrase in our head that says real estate. That what what is it saying? Like everyone's a millionaire in real estate, or you millionaire real estate has made more millionaires than any other industry combined. I think that's it. Yep, it is. Yep, there you go. I've heard that before. Yeah. So, but you think about that's it's not single family assets that they're doing that in. They're doing that in multifamily, in mm -hmm. self-storage syndications, in warehousing, um, and just other alternative real estate investing assets. Yeah. You know, it, and I don't want to beat up too hard on single family. If you're going to do it at scale, you, you can make good money. Uh, but two things about it. Uh, first, I don't think there's anything riskier than one single family rental. And let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, if the average single family uh, rental makes around $100 per unit per month, okay? Let's just say you're killing it and making $200 per unit per month. That's $2,400 a year. When was the last time you bought a water heater? Ooh, well, I don't know. My condo has a boiler, so. There you go. So the last one I bought was about $3,600. So in the, in this example, that'd be 18 months of your cash flow to pay for that one water heater. That doesn't make any sense to me. So that was just a water heater. What if it's a water main or a roof or anything like that? And then uh, what about vacancy? If that one single family unit's vacant, how much money does it make? Zero. Yep. Now, if you buy a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex, now that really offsets that kind of stuff, right? You get into the fourplex and one's vacant, you're probably at least breaking even. Uh, now, the alternative is in single family, you can go out and buy, uh, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 of them, right? Like I did. I got up to the point where I had uh, 14 properties. Most of them were triplexes and fourplexes. I was overwhelmed, though. It was like I said earlier, it's a full-time job. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I single family think single family is rough. Yeah, it is rough. It can create value. I've done a few single family properties. They made me a lot of a lot of money. You know, I I was also, but it was also timing. Like I was just lucky in the market in Twin Falls and Boise, and I bought right. And then I was like, oh, this is nice. But then I looked at the metrics. You know, there was it was really market appreciation. There was no forced appreciation. I wasn't upgrading things to granite countertops and providing a customer experience that was similar to the investments that you guys are doing. And so it was just like, there's no, I just don't know if that's a good long-term strategy for me. And so like 
you just got invested or invested in my education almost as much as a college degree myself, like you were saying earlier. Yeah, exactly. Something you just said uh, back to back to why I like multifamily specifically is forcing appreciation. Uh, so in, in there's so many ways in commercial real estate where you can you can force that value to go up, right? And it's because of how uh, commercial real estate is valued. And and I don't want to I don't want to get too deep into the weeds here with it, but if we talk about single family houses, they're valued based on comparative sales. Okay, so what does that mean? That means if if your neighbor across the street uh, fixes up their house, puts granite countertops in, makes it immaculate, and sells it at $100,000 over market, that means your house is going to go up, maybe not 100000 but a lot, just because the house next door did something really well. But alternatively, if the other house next door yeah, has 10-foot-tall weeds and cars parked in front of it, right, that's going to drive the uh, value of your house down. Commercial property, specifically multifamily, is valued based on the income. It's valued on something we call the NOI or the net operating income. <clears throat> and basically, that just means that's the net profit of the building, how much money it makes <clears throat> before the mortgage. So let me give you an example of just one way that I am currently forcing the value up on a property. Okay? Uh, I have a 33-unit property that I purchased almost a year ago and uh all of the tenants are paying internet directly from an internet provider some of them are 75 some of them are all the way up to 120 dollars a month that they're paying for internet service well we found a way where we can go and we can provide internet to the entire complex and we're going to be able to profit 50 dollars a month per unit and it only costs us about $10,000 to do this. So we put $10,000 up front, have a small monthly bill, and then the profit is $50 per unit. Well, $50 per month on a 33-unit property is uh, $1,650 a month times 12, right? Now we're at around $180,000 or $18,000 per year. At a 10 cap, that would be $185,000 of value on that property mm -hmm. that we would increase, that value of that property. Well, 10, ca 10 cap's not realistic. It's more like a five cap. So now it's like $360,000 of value that I'm forcing into that property just by increasing the income by $50 per month per unit. Mm -hmm. And that's just one strategy. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting strategy. I haven't really heard anyone doing that but it makes a lot of sense i mean i just think about this condo we have a whole agreement with i can't even remember the vendor to be honest with you but it's like a flat rate for all of the owners of each condo so i guess from the tenant's perspective how does that look on them do they get the flat rate or are they does it still fluctuate or what does that look like and from their perspective well so for us for the internet it's they they go from paying a random amount, 75 to 80 to 90, whatever it is that they can negotiate with the internet provider. And now we're buying it in bulk. So we get a much better price. So we're saving the tenant 25 to a hundred dollars a month. So we're saving the tenant money and we're increasing the value of our property by 360,000. Yeah. 
And, and way, I think that's the point I wanted to make, I, I guess. It's like you yeah. were actually doing them a favor in in increasing the value of the property, which like intuitively you think that's it, it should be the other way around, right? Right. But there's a way to, that's why it's like, if you can increase the customer experience, customer being the tenants, you can actually at the same time improve the property. That's right. And, and that's one of my favorite things about uh, multifamily is, is I get to help people in so many ways. I get to take a property that was an eyesore and clean it up and now provide a, a beautiful asset for the community. So I'm improving the community that this asset is in. I can now take a somewhere that people are ashamed to live and turn it into a home that they can be proud of. Mm. I can provide excellent returns for my investors, my passive investors, my limited partners. And because I'm doing such good things for people, I get rewarded, right? I get paid. Yeah. So it's it's a win-win-win all the way around. Yeah, that, that was, it, it's so true. Like that was one of the things that really hooked me when I was sitting in my single family COVID trying to figure out what to do, go on podcasting and then got onto the real estate podcasts. And then everyone was talking about this win-win. And then I just, you know, you just learn. And then that was like kind of addicting to me a little bit. And the fact that the community was so open and willing to share the things that they were doing um, to really continually make those win-win situations. Because at the end of the day, it's it's kind of fun. Everyone wins. That's like right. It sounds corny, but it's true. It really is. That's the, be the best situation is when multiple people win. Yeah. So how are you helping people win across the country? Are you doing it in Twin Falls? Are you in Boise? Are you in Texas? Like, where are you operating right now, Senate? Well, so I, I'm helping people in lots of different ways across the country. So first, I'm buying deals in Idaho. Uh, I, I I like Eastern Idaho a little bit more than, say, Boise, because I feel like the prices are a little higher in Boise than they should be. But, uh, you know, you can find deals in any market. So I'm, I'm actively pursuing three deals right now in Idaho. Uh, I'm working in Texas really hard. I've got a couple properties in Texas, one that I'm, I'm actively raising capital for today. Uh, and then I have deals in Oklahoma, and I'm looking at Kansas City and the Carolinas as well. I'm growing a team in those areas so that I can move quickly uh, when the time comes. Uh, I'm also providing coaching, you know, for also for for limited partners that want uh, how to know how to make sure they're getting the right deal, providing coaching in that regard. And I'm also teaching people who want to become active investors, the people who want to do what you and I are doing. I'm, I'm providing coaching to them on how to become the best active partner that they can be. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Is that through the Jake and Gino um, training that you were talking about earlier? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What What does that process look like, and how did you get incorporated with them? Well, so you know the the best thing to do if you want if you want to learn more about that coaching program and how to become a member of that coaching program would be just to reach out to me. And, and I would talk you through what that looks like, right? Because it's different if you're a limited partner or an active partner, right? But uh, for the active partners, uh, it's a it's a two year program where it's super intensive. There's online trainings, there's boot camps, there's uh, one on one coaching and mentorship, and then also group calls and uh, um, 
like a whole community, a private chat room and that type of thing. So tons and tons of resources. The thing is, is you've got to actually use the resources that are there, right? That's the yes, that's the yes. biggest challenge most people have is, you know, they they come into a community and then they don't use the resources they're provided. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's also overwhelming, like drinking from a fire hose. Like, where do I start? In yeah, some yeah. cases. And then that's my job is to make sure that they stay on track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'd exactly. love to talk to anybody else about any, you know, any of that, those programs. Let's uh, let's jump on a call sometime and I'll walk you through it. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, Senate, I know it's been a long day for you. I don't want to take up any more of your time than um, allotted to me and our listeners. Um, but if there was like one thing that you'd like to leave us with today, um, what would it be? Uh, get educated, right? No, no matter no matter what you're going to do, if you're going to be uh, in single family, if you're going to be in multifamily, if you're going to be a passive investor even, right? You've got to get educated. That's the most important thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm all about educating people. I've got a free course on my website, senateskridge.com. And you can, it's a passive or it's an investing 101 course, gives you tons of information on how to be the best investor you can be. Again, whether you want to be active or passive, it'd be beneficial to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I echo that wholeheartedly, Senate. So, Senate, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your knowledge, your expertise, um, your stories. Um, I've benefited. Thank you for throwing out some golden nuggets as well. Um, hopefully I can also use those in the future. But um, as we sign off here, um, I guess, do you have any contact info or a website, but I can also drop the, all of that stuff in the show notes as well. Absolutely. So the best place to get me is on my website. It's just senateskridge.com. It's S-E-N-A-T-E-E-S-K-R-I-D-G-E.com. All of my stuff's on there. You can see my course. You can book a call with me. You can get into my investor club. There's also links to my social media and stuff like that. I'm on all the socials, but you can get them all through that website. Awesome. Will do. We'll send it. Thanks again. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Bye.